from CJBT Productions, the team that brings you the Music Halls of Fame podcast, comes the Music History Today daily podcast, where we bring you a quick daily briefing of the musical events, births, and passings that happened on that particular day. So, if you love music and history, then please like, subscribe, and share the Music History Today daily podcast out every day on Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from. The following is a CJBT Productions podcast. This is the Music Halls of Fame podcast, episode number eight. This week, we honor the year 1993 and a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 1993. We look at the case for putting the Spice Girls into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and our spotlight museum is Bertramka Villa in Prague, Czech Republic. This podcast celebrates those who have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll also look at the case for certain artists to be inducted into the hall who aren't there yet. Plus, every week we'll discuss a different musical Hall of Fame, Walk of Fame, or Museum, and celebrate someone who's been inducted into them. Let's start with our main focus of the podcast, which is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Hall Foundation was established on April 20th, 1983 former Atlantic Records chairman Ahmet Erdogan was the head of the foundation at the time. Three years later, a committee chose Cleveland, Ohio to be the site of the physical location for the museum over Detroit, New York City, Philadelphia, Memphis, and Cincinnati. I say physical location because members have actually been inducted into the hall since 1986 before the building was even opened. Cleveland, Ohio was chosen due to what DJ Alan Freed did to promote rock and roll, including mainstreaming the phrase rock and roll, which was originally black slang for sex, and for holding the first rock and roll concert in Cleveland. Ground was broken for the building on June 7, 1993. The building opened on September 1, 1995 at 1100 Rock and Roll Boulevard on the shore of Lake Erie. The hall gets over 400,000 visitors a year on average. Normal hours of operation are 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., except for Thursdays when they're open until 9 p.m. They're normally open later in the summer months. General admission at the moment is $30, children 6 through 12 are $20, college students, first responders, military members, and Northeast Ohio residents are $25, and kids 5 and under Hall of Fame members and Cleveland residents are free. ID is required to get the discounts. Rockhall.com is their website. That's R-O-C-K-H-A-L-L dot C-O-M. As with all places these days, due to COVID restrictions, check with the website for updated information and hours. 
The criteria for being inducted into the hall was originally that, quote, artists have to have had released their first record 25 years earlier and have created music whose originality, impact, and influence has changed the course of rock and roll. End quote. That interpretation has been updated in recent decades to include music that rock and roll influenced, like reggae and country and hip-hop, and also youth culture that music has influenced and vice versa, which is why hip-hop artists have been inducted. The different categories that people can be inducted for are, for starters, musical excellence, which is for artists, musicians, songwriters, and producers who have had a dramatic impact on music, Early influencers, who are artists whose music influence rock music and youth culture like jazz and blues. The Amit Erdogan Award, which is named for famed record executive Amit Erdogan, and goes to a non-performer who's had an impact like record executives and managers. There's also a category that inducted songs that have influenced music. For instance, the Trog's classic Wild Thang and also Sam the Sham and the Pharaoh's Wooly Bully. Of course, the most popular category is the performers category, which has everyone from Elvis to Tina Turner. The different nominating committees decide who will make the official ballots for that year, and then the ballots are sent to a thousand musicologists, executives, performers, and other experts. The fans also get a chance to vote, with that vote usually being held on the hall's website. Then from that, the final inductees are chosen. Now then, with all that being said, let's take a look at this week's honoree. The year was 1993. The inflation rate in America was 2.96%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ended the year at 3,654. The Federal Reserve's interest rate at the time was 6%. Average cost of a new home was $113,200. Average income for the year was $31,230. Average monthly rent, $532 gallon of gas cost you $1.16, and the average cost of a new car, $12,750. Bill Clinton became President of the United States. Czechoslovakia split up to become the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Terrorists connected to a Muslim extremist cleric exploded a bomb inside a van in the garage of the World Trade Center in New York City. Janet Reno became the first female attorney general. A siege of a compound in Waco, Texas, by leader David Koresh's Branch Davidian religious sect, began after a failed raid by federal agents. It ended a couple months later in tragedy as the compound went up in flames during another raid. The blizzard of 93 killed 184 people in America. Tennis player Monica Sellis was stabbed by a fan of her on-court tennis rival at the time, Steffi Graf. Monica would recover. Famous people who were born in 1993 include actors Jodie Comer, Will Poulter, Pete Davidson, 
Anna Sophia Robb, Debbie Ryan, Taylor Momsen, Victoria Justice, and Miranda Cosgrove. 1993 was the year that Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee, was killed during the making of the movie The Crow when a prop gun misfired. Actor River Phoenix passed away from a drug overdose after partying at the Viper Room nightclub in Los Angeles. Other famous people who passed away in 1993 include actors Autry Hepburn, Raymond Burr, Cantiflas, George McFarland, Vincent Price, Alexis Smith, Bill Bixby, Pinky Lee, Divya Bharti, Lillian Gish, Fred Gwynn, and Don Amici, pilot Eric Hartman, dancer Rudolf Nureyev, cult leader David Koresh, the aforementioned David Koresh, entrepreneur Roy Raymond, journalist John Hershey, writer William Golding, former First Lady of America Pat Nixon, human rights activist Cesar Chavez, Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, wrestlers Andre the Giant and Jesus Silva, car maker Ferruccio Lamborghini, auto racer James Hunt, soccer players Danny Blanchflower and Bobby Moore, basketball coach Jim Valvano, basketball players Reggie Lewis and Drazen Petrovic, and tennis player and human rights activist Arthur Ashe. The Nobel Peace Prize was shared between F.W. de Klerk and Nelson Mandela from South Africa, who helped to bring an end to South Africa's apartheid system. De Klerk and Mandela were also named Time Magazine's People of the Year for their efforts. They shared the magazine's People of the Year honor with Yasser Arafat and Yitzhak Rabin, who attempted to bring peace to the Middle East, at least for a year or so. Richard Gere and Cindy Crawford were named People Magazine's Sexiest Couple Alive the first time the magazine gave the award to a celebrity couple. Richard Gere would get a solo Sexiest Man Alive honor in 1999. The biggest selling books of 1993 included Robert James Waller's The Bridges of Madison County and Slow Waltz in Cedar Bend, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, John Grisham's The Client, Dean Kuntz's Dragon's Tales, Stephen King's Dolores Claiborne, Rush Limbaugh's The Way Things Oughta Be, and See, I Told You, Clarissa Pinkola Estes's Women Who Run With the Wolves, and Howard Stern's Private Parts. In technology, the World Wide Web became free to the general public, at least until internet providers started charging money for it. The Mosaic Internet Browser was also released in 1993. Wired Computer Magazine was first published. The first Apple Newton PDA was released. The Unix-like operating system FreeBSD was released. Intel's Pentium microprocessor was released. Microsoft released Windows NT. And, because it's the internet, the first online ads were introduced. In video games, Star Fox, Myst, and Virtua Fighter premiered. Mortal Kombat 2, Doom, and NBA Jam also came out in 1993. 
In sports, the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl, which was held for the 1993 season in Atlanta in 1994. The halftime show, by the way, featured Clint Black, Tanya Tucker, and Travis Tritton, the Judds. Alabama won the NCAA College Football Championship. In baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays won the World Series on a series-ending walk-off home run by Joe Carter, while it was also the first year for the Colorado Rockies and the Florida Marlins. In basketball, North Carolina won the Men's NCAA College Basketball Tournament, beating Michigan's famous Fab Five team that included now Hall of Famer Chris Webber. Texas Tech won the NCAA Women's College Basketball Championship, while the Chicago Bulls won the NBA Championship. Bulls superstar Michael Jordan, by the way, retired from basketball that year, but was back to playing basketball a few years later. Miguel Indurain won the Tour de France. Seabiscuit won the Kentucky Derby, but couldn't quite pull off the Triple Crown. Colonial Affairs jockey Julie Crone became the first female jockey to win a Triple Crown race when the horse won the Belmont Stakes. The Montreal Canadiens won Stanley Cup in hockey. In tennis, on the women's side, Monica Seles won the French Open, then was stabbed by that fan in April. After that, Steffi Graf won the other majors. On the men's side, Pete Sampras won Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, while Sergei Bruguera won the French Open and Jim Courier won the Australian Open. In motorsports, Elaine Prost won the Formula One Championship, Nigel Mansell won the IndyCar Championship, and Dale Earnhardt Sr. won the NASCAR Championship. In golf, Bernard Langer won the Masters Golf Tournament, Lee Jansen won the U.S. Open, Greg Norman won the British Open, and Paul Azinger won the PGA Championship. On the women's side, Helen Alfredson won the Nabisco Dinosaur Tournament, Patty Sheehan won the LPGA Championship, Lori Merton won the U.S. Women's Open, and Brandy Burton won the Nemorier Classic. In soccer, Manchester United won England's Premier League, Barcelona won Spain's La Liga, Marseille won France's League One, but then were stripped of their title due to a bribery scandal, Milan won Italy's Serie A, and Werder Bremen won Germany's Bundesliga. Basketball player Michael Jordan and tennis player Monica Seles were voted male and female athletes of 1993. Pole vaulter Sergei Butka set the indoor pole vault record, which stood for another 20 years. And the entire Zambia national soccer team were killed in a plane crash on the way to play for a World Cup qualifying tournament. In television, 1993 was the year that the Monday Night Raw wrestling show premiered. David Letterman left NBC for CBS, which meant that NBC's The Tonight Show went to Jay Leno and The Late Night Show went to Conan O'Brien. Also premiering that year were Beavis and Butthead, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Walker Texas Ranger, The X-Files, Bill Nye the Science Guy, 
SWAT Cats, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Animaniacs, Martha Stewart Living, NYPD Blue, and Boy Meets World. Shows ending in 1993 included Doogie Howser, M.D., Major Dad, Cheers, Designing Women, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, The Wonder Years, Quantum Leap, Goof Troop, A Different World, and Perfect Strangers. The top 10 TV shows of 1993 were 60 Minutes, Home Improvement, Seinfeld, Roseanne, Grace Under Fire, Coach, Frasier, Monday Night Football, Murphy Brown, and the CBS Sunday Night Movie. At the Emmy Awards, Seinfeld won its only Best Comedy Series Emmy, while Picket Fences took home the Best Drama Emmy. In movies for 1993, it was the year of Jurassic Park. Also, The Fugitive, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Firm, Indecent Proposal, The Sandlot, Rudy, The Program, Rookie of the Year, Cool Runnings, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, Cliffhanger, and The Pelican Brief. It was also the year that the first video game movie, Super Mario Brothers, was released with Bob Hoskins playing Mario. It wasn't good. At the Academy Awards, it was the year of Schindler's List, as the movie won Best Picture and Steven Spielberg won Best Director. The Piano was the other big movie at the awards, as Holly Hunter won Best Actress and Anna Paquin won Best Supporting Actress. Tom Hanks won Best Actor for Philadelphia, and Tommy Lee Jones won Best Supporting Actor for The Fugitive. Musically, The Boss, Bruce Springsteen won Best Song for Streets of Philadelphia, from the movie Philadelphia, and John Williams won Best Score for Schindler's List. In music for 1993, the Elvis Presley stamps came out and were a huge hit. Michael Jackson was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey on television, which became a ratings blockbuster, but soon thereafter, he was accused for the first time of child molestation. The biggest albums of 1993 included The Spin Doctor's Pocket Full of Kryptonite, Janet Jackson's Janet, Pearl Jam's Ten, Stone Temple Pilots' Core, Garth Brooks's The Chase, Eric Clapton's Unplugged, Kenny G's Breathless, Billy Ray Cyrus's Some Gave All, and Dr. Dre's classic album The Chronic. On the pop charts, R&B dominated the year, with the vast majority of the top 50 songs being done by R&B artists such as Janet Jackson, SWV, Jodeci, and Shanice. The biggest selling single, according to Billboard magazine, was Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You, followed by tag team's Whoop, There It Is, UB40's version of the Elvis Presley classic Can't Help Falling in Love, Janet Jackson's That's the Way Love Goes, Silk's Freak Me, SWV's Weak, Shy's If I Ever Fall in Love, Mariah Carey's Dream Lover, Rex and Effects Rump Shaker, All I Wanna Do Is Zoom a Zoom 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 and a Boom Boom, and Snow's Informer. Artists who were born in 1993 include Zayn Malik, Niall Horan, and Liam Payne, all of One Direction, Ariana Grande, Megan Trainer, Suga BTS, Perry Edwards of Little Mix, Saweetie, 
Chance the Rapper, IU, and Bryson Tiller. Artists who passed away in 1993 include Gigi Allen, Conway Twitty, Frank Zappa, Marian Anderson, Dizzy Gillespie, Mick Ronson, and Hector Laveau. At the 1993 Grammy Awards, it was the year of the soundtracks as the Bodyguard soundtrack, which was also the biggest selling album of 1993, won album of the year, while Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You won record of the year. A Whole New World from Disney's Aladdin won song of the year and Tony Braxton won best new artist. At the Eurovision singing contest held in Mill Street, Ireland, Name Kavanaugh from Ireland won for the song In Your Eyes. At the Tony Awards, Kiss of the Spider Woman won Best Musical, and Anna Christie won Best Revival. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, the Hall inducted record producer Milton Gabler and American Bandstand TV host and businessman Dick Clark into the non-performers category. Jazz great Dinah Washington was inducted into the Early Influencers category. In the Performers category, the Hall inducted Ruth Brown, Cream, The Doors, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, Sly and the Family Stone, Etta James, Van Morrison, and this next artist. This next artist formed in 1967 and broke up in 1972. The end was extremely messy with lawsuits between pretty much all members of the band. Things were so messy that when the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1993, the lead singer still wouldn't perform on stage with them. The group is CCR, otherwise known as Creedence Clearwater Revival. Even though CCR played what was considered more of a southern sound, they were actually a bunch of San Francisco Bay Area kids called the Blue Velvets who had a jazz album. They were then signed to Fantasy Records and were renamed the Gollywogs by the label owner. Before the group could get going in earnest, though, in 1966, John Fogarty and Doug Clifford received draft notices and chose to serve. When they were done, the band got back to business. By then, Fantasy Records had been sold to a new owner who hated the band's name. He thought it was racist, so he had them come up with a new name. They came up with Creedence Clearwater Revival. CCR scored their first hit in 1968 with a cover of the 1950 song Susie Q. Another cover, I Put a Spell on You, followed next. Between 1968 and 1972, Creedence Clearwater Revival made seven albums. During that time, they had a number of hits like Who'll Stop the Rain, Traveling Band, and Down on the Corner. One song ended up being controversial, which was Fortunate Son from their 1969 album, Willie and the Poor Boys. 
John Fogarty wrote the song in part about David Eisenhower, grandson of former president and World War II general Dwight David Eisenhower. David was dating, later marrying, Julie Nixon, who was President Richard Nixon's daughter at the time, and it was David who got a deferment from serving in the war. John kept thinking about all the politicians' sons or rich people's sons who got out of going to Vietnam when other people like himself and bandmate Doug Clifford couldn't because they weren't as well-connected or because they didn't have bone spurs as a handy excuse like, say, a now-former president that we all know. Anyway, John said that the entire song took him about 20 minutes to write. He also said that while people have interpreted the song as an anti-war song, it is not. It's, in his words, about the old saying about how rich people make war and poor people have to go and fight them. The song was released as a single in September of 1969 as a B-side to Down on the Corner, which became a big hit on its own. The group ended up breaking up in 1972, but over the years, the group has not been quiet. At least not in the court system. Every member of the band has been involved in one lawsuit or another against each other and or their old record label, Fantasy Records. John Fogarty ended up signing the rights to his songs over to Fantasy Records, which turned out to be not such a good monetary decision, as the label has licensed out his songs to sell, among other things, Wrangler Blue Jeans. Wrangler had started using Fortunate Son as part of a patriotic ad campaign, but John caught wind of that and said in an interview that he hated the idea of the song being used that way. Wrangler, to their credit at least, agreed and stopped using the song in their campaign. It has been used to sell other things, though. In 1976, the record label put out a Greatest Hits album called Chronicles Volume 1, 20 Greatest Hits. The album was their first Greatest Hits album to have all of their big hits, and it is the one you want to get if you want all of their hits. Apparently, it's the one everybody wants to get because it's sold, as of right now at least, over 10 million copies, enough to make it the 83rd biggest-selling album of all time in America. Inducted by Mr. Bruce Springsteen, Creedence Clearwater Revival, CCR. Inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Class of 1993. We're continuing our look at the artists who will be eligible for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the first time next year, since their first year of eligibility will be the year 2022. What we do in this series is to make the case, both for the artist and against the artist. And this week, we're looking at the Spice Girls' chances 
feel old, people. It's been 25 years already. To the tale of the tape we go. The Spice Girls released three studio albums. 1996's Spice went to number one in the U.S. and the U.K. and sold 23 million copies worldwide. 1997 Spice World went to number one in the U.K. and number three in America, sold 14 million copies worldwide. 2000's Forever went to number two in Great Britain, but could only get to number 39 in America and sold four million copies worldwide. Singles-wise, they released 11 singles. Of those, in Great Britain, every one went to number one except for two of them. 1997's Stop went to number two in their final single. 2007's Headlines went to number 11. In the United States, four songs went top 10, with only their smash debut single, Wannabe, getting to the top of the charts, and three of their 11 singles didn't even chart in America. What made the group special wasn't their singing because, well, let's be blunt, they couldn't really sing that well. No, what made the Spice Girls special was their attitude and their style. It was purposely done because they went after a different audience. See, while most girl groups go after a male audience and think that they have to sex it up a lot, the Spice Girls went after a female audience and gave them role models with attitude. Nothing against sexing up your image to sell records, but if you want to know why people still love the Spice Girls 25 years later, well, there's your reason why. Plus, they built one hell of a brand and were really smart businesswomen. These facts alone might eventually get them inducted. Now, here's the case against them getting in. They're a girl group, and much like the boy bands, see last week's discussion on NSYNC's chances of getting in, the Hall voters have not taken girl groups seriously. That's not to say that they won't. I mean, the Supremes were basically a girl group and they were inducted, so anything's possible. Another reason why they might not be inducted is because of their time in the business. They were white hot for essentially five years, if that. And that's really it. Unless someone in the group passed away or prematurely ended the group, see Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, the Hall voters don't go for artists normally who had a couple of albums and then broke up. They tend to like longevity. Still, when you consider the impact that the group had on pop culture, along with their message of girl power that helped to define a generation or two of young women... To this very day, I could see the Hall giving them credit for it and letting them in eventually. I just don't see it happening in the next few years, that's all. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is one of the most famous classical composers of all time. His birthplace in Salzburg, Austria is a tourist attraction. 
even the places that he visited are now tourist attractions. One such place is Bertramka Villa in Prague, Czech Republic. Even though there's no official record of his visits there, aside from maybe a quick visit, the villa is still a tourist attraction. It's now a museum that's dedicated not only to him, but also to the people who used to own the villa, Frantisek and Josefina Dusek, who were friends of Wolfgang's. Mozart, according to legend, visited Bertramka in 1787 and 1791 and worked on John Giovanni while he was visiting there. Before it became a villa, it was once a farm. It is now run by the Mozart Society, who bought it in 2004 after a lengthy court battle. Unfortunately, there's no website to point you to, but when you're in Prague, they're in the tour books, so check them out. As with all museums and halls of fame, especially over in Europe right about now, check first to see about COVID protocols and openings once you're in Europe, or even before, actually. Probably a good idea. Mozart's father was a teacher and a violinist who published a successful textbook. At age three, this kid watched his father giving keyboard lessons to one of his sisters. By age five, he was already writing music. By the time he was six, he was traveling around Europe with his family, performing with his sister, Naneri. During this time, he studied the works of other famous composers, among them Johann Christian Bach. By age eight, he had already written his first symphony. When he was 17, Mozart was appointed a court musician by the ruler of Salzburg. He really hated working there, mainly because the ruler paid cheap. You know, the way a lot of people do these days. In fact, throughout his career, despite all the music he made, he only rarely made a lot of money. By the time he hit 20, like most guys that age, he quit his job in Salzburg to go, quote, find himself, as it were. Mozart went to Paris, where he was offered a job that paid him three times what he had made in Salzburg, but he turned it down. He then went to Strasbourg, then Munich and Mannheim, before going back to Salzburg, this time with different employment under Archbishop Colorado. All the while, though, he kept writing music. During this time, the Archbishop went to Vienna and brought his new employee along. Wolfgang, now age 28, had bigger ideas, though. He fell in love with the city and wanted to instead be employed by the emperor at the time. Things went bad between the archbishop and Mozart, and the breakup was, well, let's just say, nasty. In fact, our hero literally got his ass kicked out the door of the archbishop's palace. Like, literally had his ass kicked by the archbishop's steward. What made it worse was that even Mozart's father sided with the archbishop. Ah, family love. It's awesome. Didn't matter because Mozart got what he wanted. He got to stay in Vienna where he had fallen in love and gotten married, and he found employment with the emperor, 
He met and became friends with famous people, including classical composer Joseph Haydn. He also finally started making some serious money. He wrote a lot of his most famous works during this time. Also, he started teaching students of his own, including a guy who would turn out to be no slouch in his own right, Ludwig van Beethoven. On December 5, 1791, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart passed away at the age of 35 from something along the lines of a fever or infection of some sort. People like to claim that he died under mysterious circumstances. In fact, that was the premise of that movie about his life, Amadeus, where the producers and writer of the movie also portrayed Wolfgang as a spoiled, annoying brat. What has to be remembered is that because of the medicine and diseases of the time, dying at 35 was pretty much an average life. The common cold killed many people around that time, so if you lived into your 80s like a lot of people do these days, then you were really doing something right, or you were really, really lucky. As it is, like a lot of people, Mozart's reputation and legend became much bigger in death than in life. These days, he's considered a musical genius. His pieces, including the Magic Flute, are considered some of the greatest pieces ever written in the history of Western music. Eddie Van Halen named his kid Wolfgang after him. In the 1980s, Falco's song Rock Me Amadeus became a worldwide smash, and even the places where he visited are tourist attractions, like the Bertramka Villa in Prague, Czech Republic. And that is it for the Music Halls of Fame podcast, episode number eight. Thanks for listening. Audio engineering and editing, video editing, writing, narration, basically everything having to do with this podcast is done by yours truly. You can find us on our website at cjbtproductions.com. Our podcast is on all of your favorite podcast providers such as Apple Music, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, etc., all under Music History Today. If you would like to support this podcast, our Patreon can be found at patreon.com backslash music history today. We are also on Twitter at music history day, and you can now find us on YouTube. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell anytime you want to know exactly what videos are dropped and when. All of those links can be found in the show notes below. Thank you very, very much for listening.